capable of spontaneous creation. Here you are. Using it to make breakfast for dinner. Lorenzo's system displayed what's become known as sensitive dependence on initial conditions, which is the hallmark of chaos. A little bag made from the skin of a toad. Doesn't matter. She, she's tampering in dioxided stuff. Yet in our own supremely rational time, there has been a dramatic rebirth of the ancient arts of witchcraft. You're listening to the Modern Witch Podcast with Devin Hunter. And welcome back to the Modern Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Hunter. Thank you for joining me. Uh, today is a lovely day in October. I was hoping to, of course, have this out a little earlier. Things got busy. I just finished up all the photos for my, my second pictorial book, uh, which is Crystal Magic for the Modern Witch, which will be available in, I believe, summer of 2022. Um, and yeah, things have been crazy because in addition to all that, then, you know, there's the store. Um, we've got all kinds of good stuff going on. We are no longer the Mystic Dream. We are now Detura Trading Company. And uh, I've, we've added plants. And so I've got rare, tropical, magical plants, all kinds of cool stuff um, up. So if you're, you know, if you are like me and you're one of those witches who ended up leaning in uh, to plants and crystals more so than, you know, in the past, uh, especially with the pandemic and things going on, you definitely want to check out my shop, DetouraTrading.com. I got it shit covered. So just let me just say, check it out, check it out. Uh, in addition to that, we have the official Witches Sabbath, which is happening in November, the first weekend of November. Uh, That's a completely online event. We've got Madame Panita, who's coming in. Uh, we've got Maxine Miller, which is just amazing. Our theme is creativity, just so you know. So hence Pamita and, of course, Maxine Miller. Uh, we've got Jesse Hathaway, who's this really, really phenomenal. You might you might know him from Wolf and Goat. Um, he is a, a very talented magician um, who has some really cool recipes and stuff up his sleeve. So excited about that. We've got uh, Chris and Tara from, of course, down at the crossroads, um, Basim Sting, Basim Sword and Sting, I believe. Um, and, you know, then you'll have me, you'll have uh, Matt Oren, you'll have the amazing, of course, Storm Fairy Wolf, and then, of course, last but not least, we will have Laura Tempest-Sakroff, and we're your host for this this whole event. Um, I have teamed up with the folks over at Chaos and Shadow Podcast, um, and they're going to be coming in to help just help us with the event so i'm excited excited to see of course uh pagan who's going to be uh tuning in when she can and helping out just you know hanging out with the folks all weekend it's gonna be really really cool and kyle is going to be helping run the tech stuff so it's going to be really neat we're really excited about it um and again that is the first weekend in november now the last thing i want to mention uh before we we jump on with the rest of the housekeeping and the good stuff for this episode is uh that i'm also uh, going to be teaching this weekend coming up at the Gathering of the Witches, uh, and that's going to be really, really cool. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, there's some amazing people. Christopher Penzak's joining. Uh, Naja Lightfoot is joining. Uh, we also have Temperance Alden. A lot of really great people. So just check it out. Um, 
it's going to be a really fun event. The workshops are pretty long. Um, I'm a little nervous about that, but otherwise, you know, hey, it's going to be a good weekend. So definitely check that out. And that is coming up now um, this weekend. So that's October 23rd, 24th, I believe. So uh, today on the show, we have the amazing, the amazing, the amazing Aiden Watchter. Somehow amazing and Aiden got mixed in. So the, the maiden. Um, but the maiden Aiden Watcher is going to be joining us, uh, and we've got a really interesting discussion. So he, let me just frame this for y'all. This is an interview that I have wanted to do kind of since the beginning of the show. And, um, you know, it's kind of, there are rumors that get spread that just, and, and it's, you know, there's all kinds of rumors, but specifically I'm speaking to the rumors of, oh, these people are hard to, to talk to, or they're they're really loners and they don't really like to participate. And so this is the stuff that I heard from Aiden. Everyone's like, oh, no, he's cool, but he's just not somebody that is really easy to talk to. I have found that to be the complete opposite. I thought he was incredibly easy to talk to. I think you'll find in this interview that uh, he was very friendly and very easy to talk to. And I think he just, you know, he got that reputation because of what he does in his magical life, you know, being a chaos magician um, and uh, being, uh, you know, having this, this, these punk influences and being part of the punk scene. So I think people just kind of looked at him and, and thought, oh, he's, he's this this intense guy and, and I'm and yeah he's totally intense but he's really awesome so I'm excited to have the chance the opportunity if you will to have him on the show to introduce him to you if you're not familiar with him um, he has written a bunch of books uh, Weaving Fate is I think the most recent one and uh, we talk about that so Weaving Fate Hyper Sigils um, and the, what is it Hyper Sigils Changing the Past and Telling True Lies is the title of his most recent book. And we talk about that book, of course, um, a little bit in this interview. But we talk about a lot of stuff. We talk about the influence of the punk scene and chaos magic and kind of where chaos magic has gone. And, you know, because uh, he's one of the pioneers of, of what we refer to as chaos magic. So really amazing um, interview. It was a long time coming, and I'm just so happy to have it here. So that's what we're doing today, folks, here on the Modern Witch Podcast. We are going to dive deep with the amazing, the maiden, say did it again, the amazing Aiden Watcher, watched her. Um, and uh, we'll be right back after this break with that interview. Stay tuned. Chaos magic, Wanda. And that makes you. But I think fundamentally what punk stood for was keeping it real and raw and authentic in a time where everyone else was overly slick and bloated and fake. More than anything else, the big idea is to reject tradition and convention, to throw out all the stupid arbitrary rules that everyone follows without ever questioning and to just do whatever the fuck you want with your art without feeling like you have to stop and ask permission from the self-appointed gatekeepers of culture and good taste. I can't really go very far without your name coming up. Um, and it's always in a good way. It's always like, oh, Aiden Watchster, you know, wrote this and it really helped me understand this concept. And I love that he was able to help me break down these rules and these regulations that I felt I was I had to follow. And now my magic makes sense. So, you know, I'm hearing this from like 
really, really, people who we would all consider to be, you're pretty powerful fucking witches. And, you know, your name just keeps popping up. So I'm really excited. And uh, I will say that you are one of the people who, out of all of, like, every time I ask, like, who do you want to come on the show? Your name is always popping up. So I think we're going to have some happy That's listeners. awesome to hear. Yeah, no, it's awesome, awesome to talk to you. To hear. <laughs> it's awesome to talk to you. Well, uh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I, I yeah. yeah, so, um, all right, well, I guess we'll just get started with that. So let's, let's start at the very beginning, and I hate to ask the question because it's so basic, but what's your origin story, man? Like, how did you get started in the occult, and what was it that, in this experience, this is kind of what I want to hit at, what is it in that experience that made you stay? Because so many people come to the, the occult, they are here for a year or two, and um, then they move on. But then there's those of us who stick around. And so I'm wondering, where did you start and what made you stay? You know, it's, it's a funny one. Um, really, I just was like really um, unimpressed by the world that I was kind of raised up in. Um, I grew up in uh, Contra Costa County in the you know East Bay of San Francisco. Um, and uh in the suburbs and i didn't really get my parents or any of the other adults out there um we had a neighbor who was really cool who was like you know uh excellent hippie woman that raised chickens next door to us but that was really it out in my zone um and so i think i was always looking for like something that made more sense um and i found that in kind of odd spirituality and eventually witchcraft and then into magic itself. Um, and so I think I was already, so I was sold before I found it is what probably made me stay. Like I was really like, okay, even when I was finding things that weren't 100% dead on to my worldview, I'm like, this is so much closer. These people are, are at least in the, we're at least talking about the same things, right? We might use some different language or, you know, I came into feminist Wicca really is the first uh, thing that I kind of tagged, which is, you know, a 14 year old boy is not necessarily totally sensible, but I could still see that, you know, Starhawk was serious and she was giving me tools that I could use. Um, and then that led into everything else, you know, uh, if there was anything that made me stay, it was probably that I stumbled into uh, the temple of psychic youth in 81 or 82 um, who were like outright punk kind of freaks. And so that was the thing that to me is like, okay, there's punk freaks like me who are into this stuff. Uh, and so that was probably the thing that was really the first kind of, okay, I don't know what I think about these people yet. Cause this was, I was 15 at that time, but, um, I'm going to keep watching and see what they, uh, what they have to say and what they're talking about. Uh, and more and more as I dug into that world, that kind of led me into, things like Austin Spare and William Burroughs and stuff that were kind of uh, important in chaos magic, which hadn't really shown up in the U S at that point. Yeah, absolutely. So a side note, I actually, I live in Contra Costa County. I am in Antioch, Brentwood. I'm around like right on the border. So you just made me laugh. Um, Cause they live here and you moved I grew away. Up, I grew up really, cl- I grew up really close to De La Salle high school. Oh shit. In You're... Walnut Creek. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, exactly. Three minute walk from oh, wow. De La Salle. So. Well, Walnut Creek, yeah. We actually had our store. We were the Mystic Dream, aka Dolphin Dream, back in the day. And that was yeah. ours. And so we bought it. We had it for years. We just shut it down because of COVID. But um, oh, I'm very well aware of where you come from, sir. That's awesome. Um, okay, Absolutely. so you, my, my first apartment was around the corner from where your shop would show up later. Oh, so. very cool. 
Very cool. Okay. Um, So question. So we talked about the punk and um, this is another word that comes up a lot in relation to you, uh, which I always love. I I, I love this. Um, And my partner, Chaz, he's a big punk, too. So he's he's very, very much vibes with your stuff. And and I I can just see the energy there. It's just like totally there. Um, But what is it about the punk movement that how like how did that infuse with your magic like why did it infuse with your magic you said that you were looking for people who you know were kind of on the same page with you and and at least you know the background philosophies and things how did how does punk intersect with that you know punk for me was like again we were kind of like it was you know i grew up in the 70s really you know i was born in the, in the late 60s and grew up in the in the 70s and was into that kind of end of the music scene you know the who and rush and uh all that, all that stuff. And I had a friend who turned to me on one of my brother's friends who was a few years older than me that gave me this cassette of, uh, you know, what we would now think is very origin punk rock. Um, and I loved it. I loved the energy of it. I loved the kind of hostility towards what I thought, what I would now say is like control narratives, you know? Um, and as I got more into that, it led me into this really cool world. So it led me into, going into the, you know, taking BART into the city and uh, drinking when I was 15 uh, at the Stud or at the Eagle, you know. Um, And so it brought me into, you know, the, at that time, kind of queer subculture of San Francisco and the leather subculture there. Um, And I was still super explorative. I wasn't really sure if that was my thing. You know, I didn't really know how I was going to, how that was going to fall out. But, you know, I certainly played there. Um, and I love the openness of that. I love the fact that to me, the punk thing was not really about the, the super, I wasn't the super political at that time, but, um, I liked the fact that it was basically saying like, there's all this stuff in the world that is just stupid. Um, that is clearly, uh, you know, been put in place by the kind of corporate political structure to keep things in a way that works really well for them. And it doesn't serve us. And so we're going to create our own kind of, what we now think of as DIY world, right? Create our own magazines, create our own music, create our own records. Um, and I think that came with it. That whole thing came with me into um, magic and occultism of like, okay, I can look at this stuff. I can look at Starhawk and go, okay, even though I'm not 100% on board with her, I don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's good stuff in here I can use, you know, or even like Alistair Crowley, who I've never been really a big fan of. Um, I could, I knew that I could kind of use that. And it could be kind of like, you know, uh, to me, it, it was very much that, uh, what did Jason Miller and I were joking about it a few years ago, kind of like old line eclecticism, right? Um, which is, we, we weren't dilettantes about any of it, we were serious about what we were doing, but we were really comfortable going, okay, I don't like this guy, but this ritual works. And let's see if we can figure out why that works. Uh, and to me, that's a totally punk aesthetic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that's something that like we don't see enough of today now that the the occult community has gotten just so big and, and we really do have like this spread of generations that we really hadn't had before. And, you know, we're at this point where everybody wants to be right and nobody's willing to just be like, Hey, this is their thing. I'm going to do my thing. This resonates with me, you know? And it's just, it, 
for me, as somebody who has a an understanding of just like the timeline of of how you know contemporary occultism has evolved and and what things were happening culturally that really stirred that evolution. Um, you know, I'm looking around and right. I'm like, we're ripe for this. Like we are absolutely, like, the world is ripe for the occult to pop and to um, evolve, continue to evolve. But we're, we're just stuck in this narrative where everybody's got to be right. And if something doesn't feel quite right, then you have to, you know, obsess over it and call it out. And it's just like, well, it's just not your thing. Just move on, you know. Um, so I admire that. I, I admire that that early that that early approach that you took, even though it wasn't an intentional approach. And it's something that, again, I wish I would see a lot more of these days. Uh, well, how has that, like, informed you throughout the years? Because, you know, we're talking about the, you know, the 80s, the 70s and the 80s. Here we are in 2021, and you are, you're still a successful magician. You're still somebody who's applying these, these same principles. You know, you're still going out and doing your thing and discovering your, your you know, what's, what's singing to your soul. How has this worked out for you i mean you you said you were, were this punk and you're still a punk and you know but now here we are all these years later uh, you're on the different end of the spectrum like how did this work for you like what what were the values or what were the 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 core traits that you tried to carry through the years with you that that's helped you to just maintain this idea of who you are and what it is that you're working for spiritually right you know there's a great there's a thing that I've talked about in a couple of uh, podcasts in the last year um, that kind of sinks in there. And there's a great thing that says that it it was said about punk rock. It's also been said about country music at different times, but um, which is that defines those as being, you know, genres that are three chords in the truth. Right. Um, And I think that it really relates to blues music to me too, that like there is a core reality to magic. And that's the most important thing to me. Um, just like there is a core kind of reality to blues music or punk rock music, um, which is that these things are understandable by everybody on some level, right? We feel this stuff. Um, and if you can kind of take that, then you can end up with really phenomenally different versions of the blues or of punk rock or of rock and roll, however you want to view it. Um, and to me, that's the same thing in magic. And we do have this really weird thing right now where there's so much information that people do kind of want to click out, right? They want to, they want to go, okay, this is my little subset and I'm totally invested in it. That wasn't really much of an option when I was growing up because there wasn't much stuff around, especially where I was once I got old enough to start realizing, oh, I can actually, I could get into Berkeley and buy books and be home before I was not, you know, before I would be in trouble as a teen, uh, once I figured out that that was a viable thing to do. But out in Walnut Creek at that time, that was no option. Um, And so I try and keep that in mind that like, even the folks that are really militant right now um, about this is the the one true way, I always look at it and go like, we'll see where you're at at in, in 15 or 20 years here. Um, it doesn't bother me, you know? Um, but yeah, for me, I was always like, I knew it was real before I got there. And so I didn't have that phase of needing to be convinced. And I think that that's what can kind of make things get calcified sometimes is people actually need kind of that support structure 
of saying this is the right way if you do all everything according to the book or the different whatever school you're in um then you're doing it right and it will work i already knew it worked i'd had crazy experiences early on in my life so i knew that the world wasn't like it was portrayed again in kind of the suburban world that i was at so i didn't need that so i was always just like trying to come up with a workable tool set like i didn't need a belief structure right mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense mm-hmm. um i really was like give me the toolkit like I need a, you know, I need a, I need the hammer. I need the screwdriver. I need the wrench. I need the pliers. Um, and if I have that and I have uh, a really experimental and open to in meaning open to experimentation and open to learning from failure and learning from success, um, that's really what I wanted. I just wanted a, a basic toolkit um, that I could then see what I could build with it. Uh, so I was never really looking for that system. You know, people, I, because I'm, I, I try and speak to the folks who in the current world um, haven't found that system that works for them or find a lot of places that really chafe, you know, to kind of, I try and speak really directly to that chunk because I think it's the biggest chunk of the pagan or occult world. Um, it doesn't look like that way because it's kind of hard to talk about, right? You really are putting yourself out there and just going, this is my thing. And that's not comfortable in a, in a we do have a culture that can be very, very um, harsh and judgmental, you know, especially with uh, anything that kind of is, you know, what, what gets called UP, UPG now, um, the unverified personal diagnosis. And so to me, I really target at that and, I get a blowback from people going, why are you so anti-tradition? And the answer is I'm not at all. It's just, I'm very aware that it doesn't work for everybody. And the part of what I try and do is be very vocal for those folks that it doesn't work for and go, it is okay to come in here and experiment. And it's okay not to have to pick sides between whether, you know, if you're doing this particular form of witchcraft or that particular form of ceremonial magic, you're doing something wrong or mixing them up. Cause I'm a, I'm a total hodgepodge, uh, you know, of Eastern Western really honestly, like, you know, world kind of worldwide shamanic influences. Um, and to me, that's kind of beautiful. It's one of the things that I like in your work is I think that I see that in your work too. Uh, like you've I, got your own thing going. Yeah. I, I really love the, the what you're like this whole time you've been talking. I'm just going, oh yes, 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 because it's it's so like for me. I was just this kid who was having really, really, really weird psychic experiences, and I needed answers, and I couldn't find them. And the occult just happened to be the, where I could find some. And then it was very, you know, once I felt like I had the answers I could use at the time, then it was looking at this toolbox and and saying, okay, well, you know, in my case, I'm from rural Ohio. And um, not a lot of options for for people in that area, and it it I started to realize that I could use magic to just like get out of there. I could get, could better my situation. I could build a life for myself. Um, and at a really young age, I knew because I'm watching like all these people. I go to high school getting pregnant and dropping out at 14, and then the the meth thing happened in the Midwest big time, and like we lost a lot of people I went to school with, and you know there's just it was really depressing, you know, to, to 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 kind of just think about the the future at the time, and it was literally like 
me and my crazy psychic experiences and the witchcraft. And that was, those were the things I got to hold on to. And because of that, I was able to create my own thing and do my own thing. And, and I've been very content once I figured out that that was okay. But I think I spent a lot of time, like I, I went from w- different Wiccan traditions and getting initiated and becoming, you know, a third degree and doing all the stuff that you're supposed to do because that's, what you know is presented to you when as you're trying to fit into the form and none of it ever really was me it never really fit me and it really wasn't until i sat down and was like hey there's this really amazing thing that i've always held on to you know from this japanese uh culture that i am not a part of no not at all but it's inspiring so let's write about this you know this experience let's write about this culture bring awareness to this culture um, but also say, this is how this can inspire me. And that was, I was waiting to get grilled like by the, by the whole world on that. And I didn't, and I was like, holy shit, what is this? And I, and I realized that, you know, it's really about the way you present it. And I look at your work and you're presenting things in a, in a, just a, the right way you're, you're coming at it as a, you know, as, as a, as a scholar, I feel like there's a lot of good scholarly stuff in what you're writing about. Um, but you're also coming at it from a really practical, this is how X, you know, this is how we get from A to Z. And this is, these are the things that we need to apply. Um, and we can do it in a way that isn't going to be overshadowing, you know, another tradition or another cultures, whatever. You're very respectful of these things while still breaking down the walls that we typically, uh, rely on to contain them. And that's something I I just, I really appreciate in your work. And to that effect or to that, to that point, um, this is something that a lot of people, like when I start asking people about like, well, who are the authors, who are the, the writers and the, the, the people out there now who have created a system of magic or have their own style that is unique and, and has, you know, informed you and over and over and over again, your book keeps popping up and weaving fate, uh, hyper sigils, changing the past and telling true lies. This keeps coming up over and over and over again. And so it sat, it was sitting on my, mm-hmm. on my, cause you know, you get a book list and you get a whole stack of books. And so I was sitting here for, for many, many moons. And then I finally was like, all right, I'm going to grab this. And I started going through it. I couldn't put it down because you write in this way that it feels like we're, we're, we're talking and you're, you're already, you, it's like, you know, that this person's going to ask a question about something. You just say, so there you are, you're following it up. It's really well written, but yet it's this, you know, I would, I feel like if, and pardon this, I hope this doesn't come off as rude, but I feel like if you were a newbie and you picked it up, you'd be like, what the fuck is this? And I love that about this book. <laughs> I love it. It's so funny. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, I got a great, uh, I got a great uh, communication from somebody that said, I read your first book. And though it's really, you know, it's like a book that I would have loved to have when I was just starting out. Um, because it goes way deeper than a lot of uh, the stuff that's out there that's kind of, you know, beginner available texts, you know, he said. And so I was really like hesitant to get Weaving Fate until a bunch of people told me like, this is not that book. Uh, And he was like, there's a bunch of shit in here. I literally never thought to ask. This is somebody that's been at this for like 35 years like I have. And to me, that's like the best compliment, right? You go. That's well, the... yeah, but that's, this is also coming from like actual experience. And this is my big, big thing is, you know, well, TikTok is going crazy. I got all these, there are, you know, you got teenagers teaching the world about this stuff and they, they just don't know. They just don't know because they haven't had the experiences. They haven't really sat down. As you were saying, you know, talk to me in 15 years. It's kind of what, you know, I, I keep seeing this everywhere. And 
it's it's so disheartening and then and then here's your book and it's the exact opposite of all of those things so it's it, it's really <laughs> exciting um just from that perspective because right now i mean when you've got you know kids on tiktok calling for everybody who's not romany to quit reading tarot because it's cultural appropriation it's like you've no fucking clue what you're talking about but this is these are the conversations that people are having now and it's just like really folks like there's there's real shit we could be doing right now there's real stuff that's happening um and apply it to your life and this is my big thing with with this book with weaving fate it's all it's all applicable like everything is applicable because it's about kind of the it's magical philosophy and uh, you know there's there's obviously plenty of praxis and things in there but it's really about like okay this is how you tune into you know essentially the system and work with it and that is something that um I, i'm going to say two things to this first of all we don't usually see the uh in books the talking about the system like plugging into you know what we sometimes refer to as the universe or whatever and and actually developing a relationship with it you can feel it and you can sense it and you understand what's going on with it um we don't talk about this a lot because again i think we're just so wanting to follow instructions and things like that you're really giving people the opportunity to create their own witchcraft, create their own occultism here. And I, I don't know if that's something that everyone's really picked up because you're, you're giving us a lot of what, you know, we would consider UPG, but it's mm-hmm. incredibly practical and it, and it obviously connects to the next thing. Like it's that we can call it UPG, but in my opinion, it's like, no, this is just observations. These are observations that are incredibly well, like flushed out here. So, as you, what was your intention when you went to go write this book? Because it, it is kind of the surprise book, um, and I loved it. I'm very excited about it, and I, I hope everybody, you check the show notes and buy your copy today. Uh, but what was, like, the impetus for this? Like, why did you sit down and finally write this book? <laughs> you know, it was funny because um, – and thank you for the kind words. It's greatly appreciated. Um, I really – so, so again – Six Ways is kind of this overview and kind of the idea behind Six Ways is that like anybody should be able to find like three to five practices in there that resonate with them that work. And from there, you can kind of figure out what you can do with them, right? Because this is the other thing. This is my other big kind of issue with kind of modern magic is that a lot of people are constantly going like, well, how would I do a spell for this? And it's like, if you know how to do a spell, you have the answer there you haven't thought through it enough, right? It's not that everything needs a different spell, right? Or a different ritual, like bring that into that space and see what comes and tinker. <laughs> is my thought about that. And so I was like, okay, so how do I give somebody the most focused toolkit now, right? I gave somebody a really wide ranging toolkit, but how do I give somebody the kind of most focused, I'm not going to call it outright an outright system, but the pieces work together incredibly well and support one another and kind of produce this synergistic effect, right? Um, and it's really the thing that I've been doing for really the last, I mean, I started that kind of work in the 90s, but it really kind of came together solidly in the last 10 years uh, in the form that it's in now. Um, and so I really was like, okay, how do I show people what I'm thinking about that leads to this stuff. And that was the hard thing. Um, Because I don't want to just say, here's the ritual that you do to get this kind of thing. I have no interest in doing that. 
I'll do little pieces of that where it's necessary, like in the consecration section, because I know there's people that have never consecrated anything seriously. Um, but overall, it's like, yeah, how do you approach your magic? How do you approach, if this stuff works, which I know it does from my experience, how do you bring it to bear on your entire life? rather than it be something that you do with your coven or you do on the full moon or you do that's it right and you have some practices that you do uh kind of like the way most of us do yoga right we figure out that we feel better if we do yoga sometimes (laughs) um and so yeah that was really the thing it's like what's the most kind of potent package and try and give enough um kind of immersive uh description of how it actually works in practice uh, and what you might see, because that allows me then to troubleshoot for people too. Like you said, it's like, you can see where the questions would be because I know where the questions were for me that I had to work out. Uh, So yeah, it was really just like, what's the most bang for your buck magical process I can give somebody? And that's it. And it's, uh, for me at least, that work has been incredibly life-changing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you can tell um, that it's it's been applied over and over and over again and, and really distilled into a, a digestible form. Because usually the stuff that when we get books that are loaded with this type of information, usually they're very hard to digest, we'll say, um, whether it's because yep. they're just epically long or they're specifically written in a certain way to keep them kind of mysterious. Um, and you don't have that. And so that's one of the things that like, was a big eye opener for me was I started going through like Chumbly's work and got really obsessed with Chumbly for like two years. And then by the end of it, I realized it was like, well, there's a lot of brilliant stuff in here. There's just amazing spirits and some really cool shit. But at the end of the day, he it, like, it wasn't as groundbreaking. Right. And it was it, as, as I had originally thought it was. And the reason why was because of the way it was written. And I don't think it was supposed to be groundbreaking. I think it was supposed to be potent, you know? So, um, yeah. And that was, and so that's just, it's one of those things that when you're writing and you're reading and it's, it can be very difficult to, to get some of the gold that are, you know, usually available in some of these texts. And yet here we, we have it. Um, so I wanted to uh, just talk about a few of the concepts in this book, uh, especially for people who may not be aware, uh, because I think this is, I, I think there's some really cool shit in here. Uh, so the very first thing is the black book uh, and hyper sigils. So the, the hyper sigils yep. are something that you hear talked a lot about in chaos magic, but if you're not a chaos magic person, you're like, what the fuck is a hyper sigil? So can we, can we just start there and then kind of talk about the black book as, as an extension of that? If, if, if that's okay. Sure. So hyper sigils are kind of confusing because of the name. Um, because people think of sigils either as being kind of traditional magical sigils, chemia square stuff, golden dawn sigils, or Austin Spare stuff, right? Where we're kind of coming in and taking statements of intent and turning them into pictures. Um, and the hyper sigil is totally different than that. Uh, and the term comes from this guy, Grant Morrison, who's a kind of genius comic book artist and uh, writer, um, who's also a magician. And a hyper sigil is a long form narrative magical working. Um, and it can be done in film, it can be done as a novel, it can be done in paintings, uh, it can be done in comics in his case, um, but it's really about how do you actually produce uh, an immersive tale of the life you want to experience and the things you want to experience in it, rather than it being like you go into your room and you do a sigil 
or you go into your room and you light some candles and you do a ritual. The hyper sigil is a very generally if, if, in my, in, in my thinking, it takes a few months to get good at one, uh, to begin to find your groove with it. Um, and it's really best used as a very long-term way of working. It's not like a, it's not a singular thing. It's something that you do a lot of. Uh, and so the black book came about because I do the best version of this with journaling, um, uh, with hyper sigils rather than fiction. Fiction, I always want to embellish it too much. Um, and so I end up generating things that I don't really want. Uh, but with a journal where I'm actually just kind of recording the days that I would like to be having or my, or that reflect the, uh, my life uh, happening in a way that I like, uh, I find that that eliminates almost all of those problems for me. And it's very easy to teach because even if people aren't journalers, we all know what it is. We all know what a diary is. So it's a very, very easy thing. So somebody who is a fiction writer or who is a painter can kind of look at those instructions and go, okay, I get it, right? It's not hard to do that translation. And so the black book is this, what I call a false journal. Um, and it's, this is the telling true lies part of the subtitle of Weaving Fate. And so it's really, you are journaling, you consecrate a, a book and a pen and some other tools just for use in that journal. And you journal the life that you would like to be having um, as if you are recording it after the events have occurred. Uh, and it's just one of those horrendously effective methods I've found. Well, I think what's really exciting and, and to me and it speaks to the, the, the potency of the working is that, you know, when we, we're often told in magic to like set it and forget it, you know, put your intention out there and walk away. And that's, that works for, for a lot of things, but that doesn't necessarily work when we're talking about big picture shit. And it's, yeah. and for me as a magician, I've noticed that my long-term workings, like if I really want to move a mountain, then I need to be showing up every day to move the mountain. And I need to be showing up to, to build that space in, in my temple or whatever you want to call it. And, um, it's, it, you know, when we start to talk about this with people, people just, no, 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 you're supposed to set it and forget it. Da, da, da. Like, okay, sure. Like for, for this and for what you're doing, like that, that'll work, whatever your, your practice is that. But for me, this shit works like coming every single day and going and, and connecting to this energy and sculpting it as if you were an artist and you were in charge of sculpting a giant, you know, statue, you're going to show up every day and it's not going to happen all at once. It's not going to be a, I thought about it and I got to walk away. And to add to that, you know, I think a lot of the problems too we have is, is, when we over rely on, on the, those kind of simplified, you know, kind of rules that we say to, we don't have rules, but those are our rules. Um, we, we really niche ourselves and we really niche the magic and we're not allowing the magic to actually teach us. We're not allowing, um, you know, for ourselves to be in sync with the energy. So, you know, it, it we're trying to control things versus be a part of it and be a part of that process. And you can still have a lot of control and a lot of guidance without having to be, you know, so strict with things. And I really, really loved this approach in your book. Um, and it's one thing folks that if you're listening like this, this is the kind of shit that will actually take you from, in my opinion, being an intermediate, intermediate advanced practitioner to, or a beginner intermediate to an advanced practitioner. It's, it's being able to switch into these types of, of practices and, and protocols, really. Uh, one thing that I, I I'm going to kind of like put two sections of your book into into one here because I don't want to give too much of the book away. I want people to go buy your book, but also B, there's so much here. There's so much good stuff um, that it, we couldn't cover it all. But 
a big, huge aspect of your work that stuck out to me was the ability to, or not necessarily the ability, but the, the teachings related to helping us go back into the past, reorient the energies that were built at certain times so that they better suit us now, um, and dealing with things like, you know, ancestors and traumatic experiences. And what people don't realize, and this is like why in my books I, I harp so much on like, get your shit together. Like sit down, do your demon work, like really go through this because it's going to come up and bite you in the ass when if you don't like every single time it's gonna it's gonna stop your magic from being able to manifest it's gonna stop you from feeling confident it's there's a lot of things that are gonna get in the way and psychically you're really screwing yourself up with that when we have tools like what you refer, what you refer to in the book is like the corridor the fever stone we're we're having or we're getting this opportunity to to really go back and reorient things that are you know from our past that are still uh being applied to us, you know, by ourselves. We're still applying those those experiences, those, those maybe lessons, maybe not so lessons. And they really guide us as we're moving forward. They they change the way that we would make our decisions. They impact the way that we would uh, choose to grow. And and people don't think about that. To me, this is one thing I, I, I end up harping on a lot when I'm online and when I'm talking to people, people have questions. Um, you know, it's, it's this idea, you got to know who you were in the past and you got to be able to be okay with who you were in the past before you're going to be anything in the future. And, or else you're going to keep, you know, asking for forgiveness from the past or you're going to keep going back and trying to make sense of the past. There goes Ziggy right into the crowd. We've lost audio on him. This seems like a good chance to get a message in. The world is full of magic, and here at Datura Trading Company, we take that sort of thing seriously. Let's check on Jimmy as he enters his seventh hour of assembling his new IKEA cabinet. Go in your hole. What's wrong, Jimmy? You seem stressed. I have been trying to get this assembled all day, and I have a big meeting in the morning, and I'm pretty sure my boss has been bitten by a werewolf. Wait, what? Your boss is turning into a monster? Yeah, he scheduled it for 7 a.m. That's horrible, Jimmy. It sounds like you should have gone to DaturaTrading.com before this got out of hand. Isn't that the place that used to be the Mystic Dream? Why would I go there? Because they sell the best ethically sourced crystals and minerals that can help with anything from stress management to werewolf evasion. Nah, crystals aren't really my thing. They also have specialty made candles, oils, incense, and bath and body products made with the finest of ingredients from all over the world by occultists who know their shit. You son of a bitch, I'm in. And don't forget about the rare and magical plants. They even participate in the Save Our Species program to help conserve endangered plant species from going extinct in the wild. Well, that's really nice, but why would I want a rare or magical plant? Why? To go inside that new cabinet you just finished, of course. Aha! Got it! Take that, you Scandinavian designer who doesn't like right angles. Wait, how did you know I was finished? Because I'm the narrator, Jimmy. I see everything. (laughs) I see... Everything. 
Don't forget to check the latest details at DaturaTrading.com. Sterling Silver is on sale all holiday season. Werewolves hate Silver, Jimmy. And remember, don't look at him in the eyes. That's how they steal the souls of your grandchildren. Bye bye Jimmy. Until wait, next wait. time. Can you help me lift this up? DaturaTrading.com, the home of esoteric essentials and beautiful design. Proud sponsor of Modern Witch. Since we broke away for our message, Iggy has been in the crowd and out again three different times. They seem to be enjoying it, and so does he. No, no. What was the rude word? Shit. What is it, really? Good heavens, you frightened me to death. Oh, all right. See, what about you girls behind? Are you worried, or are you just enjoying yourself? Enjoying myself. Are you? Yeah. That's what I thought you were doing. I always wanted to meet you. Did you really? Yeah. We'll meet afterwards, shall we? <laughs> you dirty son. You dirty old man. Go on, you've got another five you seconds. Say something outrageous. You dirty bastard. Go on, again. You dirty fucker. What a clever boy. What a yeah. fucking rotter. Well, that's it for tonight. That's peanut butter. get the tools for this stuff here in this and it's not like i mean it's deep but it's not like unapproachably deep like it's this is again very practical right. you know <laughs> kind of things here and it's and it's beautiful it's really great what i and i just rambled on about what i why i find this to be important but why was this a thing for you because this is like a chunk of the book this isn't just a little you know uh segment there this is a big chunk of your book that's dedicated to this type of work why why do you find this to be so important looking back on on you know your practices to now so if i had thought of this i would have put this in the book if i'd thought of it at that time but the best way that I can say it is there's this kind of precept in a lot of different kinds of energy work, magical work, even new age stuff that says there's different ways that it's, that it's put, you know, sometimes you get, you know, uh, power goes, you know, power flows where attention goes. Is the, the, my preferred statement of that is that, uh, power follows the gaze is what I would say. Um, and what I mean by that is that you, what you clearly can pinpoint as a, whether this is a target in, a, in an individual working, right? Or as a long-term goal, uh, long-term life changes, long-term changes in the world, you have to be able to see it, to flow energy there and to flow magical power to it. You have to be able to see it. And this isn't, a, really a visual process, it, but you have to be able to sense it is what I would say instead. So I would say that, you know, power follows the gaze. So the problem that we have as magicians, I think, overall, more than anything else, it's not that this stuff doesn't work. It's that our gaze is constrained by our pasts. Um, and what we see and how we see it is controlled by these things that happen to us as children, as young people, um, especially if we've been victim of, you know, physical or psychological or psychic or sexual abuse. 
Um, well, and I'm just we gonna pause you here real quick in, because if mm-hmm. you're listening to if you're listening at home, it's like there's science, like there there's psychology, there's studies, there's so much to back this up. Like this isn't just some woo woo thing that you 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 know you feel. Like this is this is a real thing that Aiden's talking about, and. So when we're when you know when we're talking about dealing with your shit or going to therapy and, and recovering and just getting into a better, uh, safer space space for yourself, like here's this ma- here's the magic to it, right? So you, we've got this real world stuff that we can go do, and we're always told to go do and go talk therapy, go do this stuff. But people all really have a hard time integrating this into just their own daily practice, their own their own um, personal practice. And so I, I'm just stopping because I want to really emphasize this with people. So many discussions we've been having online lately that are circling around this topic, and there's there's real world stuff that Aiden's talking about right now. Like this, the, you can do the magic to to impact this real world shit that is on your shoulders right now. Sorry, have to digress, but but go, please go on. No, absolutely, absolutely, and it's it's worthwhile. So if we take this idea that, and another way that I, and a way that I do talk about it in the book is that. Our identity, who we, what we see ourselves as, who we see ourselves as, what we believe is appropriate or viable or even possible for us, that's really what I'm talking about is the things that control our gaze, right? You aren't going to get somewhere that you can't see. And again, most of the roots of that stuff are in the past. It's, if you were just dropped fully formed right now into whatever room you're standing in, none of that stuff is playing, right? Um, we could argue that there's, you know, if, if, you, if, you're, if you go with kind of uh, rebirth ideas or reincarnation ideas, um, which are worth looking at as two different things. I'll throw that in because they are different things. Um, and so if you have a, an issue with reincarnation, look at kind of Buddhist ideas of rebirth instead and see if those make more sense to you. Um, anyway, these, these, these past events, control what we believe is possible for us. That's step one. Um, through my practices, and again, we see this in a lot of modern psychological approaches and things. If we take what we learn from those approaches and we bring it to magic, what I'm going to say to you is the other thing that happens with our power beyond our, it going where we or only where we can kind of focus it is if we have these traumatic experiences and Understand, this can be that you were a horrible person earlier in your life. This isn't just about being on the receiving end of shit. Um, If you don't process that stuff in some way, there is tons of power trapped in it that you could be using to improve your situation, either heal yourself from the damage that was done to you, do your best to heal the damage that you did to others. Um... But you have to free that energy up. Knowing that it happened isn't enough. Taking responsibility in the sense that we often think about it um, isn't enough. If you buy this kind of worldview that we're talking about here, um, there are real kind of pockets of power that are trapped, that are unavailable to you, or that are twisted and are having influences on you. and this is just a given to me at this point. I've been doing this work for a long time. I'm not done doing it. Um, it's, it's, that's that chunk of that stuff. It is funny. I love the people that kind of ask me about this one thing or write me about this chunk because this is actually probably the most powerful piece for most of us. Um, it's great that you can kind of write your own reality more or less within, you know, 
whatever constraints we find ourselves in. But if we can't get, get kind of dig into the guts and go, okay, I've got crossed wires. <laughs> I've yeah. got bad information. And this stuff is constraining what I see as possible, what I believe, what I believe about myself or about other people. Uh, and it's shading and coloring and controlling everything that we do. And so to Absolutely. me, it's just huge, hugely important work. Yeah. And, and, and it, if we're, if we're not doing this work, then we're spiritual bypassing. I mean, if, if you're at the point where uh-huh. you're, you know, trying to manifest things and you're, you've got you know, a lot of, of magical plans, but you don't have the, the thing inside to, to click it on um, and you aren't going back and doing this work, then we're, we're bypassing. We're not really doing the work to be able to hold that energy. Right. I mean, that's the other part of it. Right. Is if, if you can't see it, you don't, you can't take responsibility for it. You can't, you know, own it and, and work through it. It's either it's, it's always going to have power over you, and that's kind of that's unfortunately, at least the way I look at it, the way it works. You know, it has power over you, or you have power with it, and that's those are your options. Um, and it's hard. It's it's really hard because you know I, I think a lot of people come to the, the occult for um, our fantasy world. You know, there's a lot of escapism. There's a you know uh, obviously paganism is a big part, and so we get all these. We have a lot of myths and a lot of you know ancient religions and all kinds of really cool stuff. But at the end of the day, fitting that all into a very modern world is is really difficult. Um, and you know, and again, that's why I like your 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 work because it, it speaks to that. It's it, you can do things that I think really were being talked about or really were being um, approached in uh, in in classical occultism, but weren't applicable for the everyday person. They, it, it wasn't going to sink in the same way. And yet here we are. 2021 we've got weaving fate thank the gods um so everybody pick this book up i've, I've got links in the the show notes you definitely don't want to miss it um but Aiden, you're doing other stuff too so you, you've got this book we've, you've got a podcast that you started last year um and which hopefully we'll get more episodes soon um but i totally get it i know how hard this is yep um and um you've you've got this website you've got a lot going on so what recently so after this book has come out there's you know you've 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 been growing and and thriving in, in these different ways online. Um, what are your like current projects right now, and uh, why are you putting energy into them? Because I'm seeing y'all, I'm seeing you dropped up uh, your name dropped in a bunch of places. I have been uh, mostly just kind of getting out. The last year has obviously been quite crazy, um, and part of what I've been trying to do is, uh, you know, there's a big Facebook group for the for for six ways and weaving fate. And I kind of track that as much as I can um, and look to see kind of where there are gaps, you know? Um, And so some of that is kind of informing a book that's hopefully going to come out this year, though I don't know if that'll really happen, but that would be the goal. Um, I'm really interested in seeing what, I guess to me the driver right now is like, things are really tough for a lot of people. And there's a lot of illusion in the media about how much better things are or are going to be because of drastic, but changes that are not drastic enough, right? Um, uh, I think for a lot of folks that would be listening to you and I talk, you know, the, the shift in the presidential election, all that are big deals, and they are. But we have much huger problems um, as individuals uh, and as, uh, you know, species. And so for me, the goal is to try and get as many of the individuals that, that, that would ever look at my stuff 
kind of more information or more approaches because not every approach is going to work for everybody um, and more support to really go after this stuff for themselves because if you can kind of clear through your own stuff then you can really make real changes in the outer world um, so yeah the podcast will start up I think in the next few weeks again um, and uh, we'll see if the book happens this year or not I would like it to but uh, yeah, for me, it's really, I, I, when I started doing the jewelry work a while ago before I retired, you know, almost a year and a half, two years ago, um, the kind of thing that I got from my allies was straight up is that they're like, we want you to, to transmit this shit that you've been doing um, because it will help people. And so that's, that's always my focus on this stuff. Um, and the feedback so far indicates that at least so far I've been successful for some people. So that's, yeah. that's what, that's the target for me. You know, I gotta say, um, we, we often have a lot of people like show up in the, we'll just call it the community and, um, uh, with the best intentions and, you know, it's, I feel like every four years there's somebody that comes in and tries to organize all of us and, you know, get us to, to be the, you know, the, the super, you know, organized structured you know group of people that i think other maybe uh, spiritual communities might be um and you know we get a lot of people who mean the the best and they want to to do all the self-help stuff and teach people how to do all this stuff and it just gets lost as noise to me you know it just gets um you know of course as a spiritual person hopefully you have good intentions and hopefully you want to help the world and and that's all wonderful and you know all that fun shit but it they're it always seems to come from a place of ego. It always seems to come from a place of um, serving them. And and there's nothing wrong with serving mm-hmm. yourself, especially in this world, Lord knows. But when it comes to this idea, one of the things I saw uh, somebody post on, on Twitter a couple weeks ago was, was uh, you know, please no more content creators. We need priests, you know, spiritual leaders, la, da, da, da. And, I, you know, that kind of struck home because I have to do a little bit of both. And... Um, it, it, but I started to look around at the people who, you know, had staying power, people who were here 10 years ago, 20 years ago and aren't anymore and why and, you know, all of this stuff. And it really seems to be that there's there's a lot of us that come here looking for attention. We don't know that we're looking for attention, but we're looking for attention. Um, we're looking for acceptance. We're looking for, you know, a lot of things. And the real work that I think is here to do, the the work of, of shadow work, the work of, you know, healing yourself, healing your family, healing your community. Um, it, you can be as ooky spooky, you know, talking to Black Philip in the woods as you want to be. And those things are still things that you can do and you can still better your life as a result of. Um, but all these things are usually, I think, are presented to us in a very egotistical way, um, even if they're not intended to, that's how they come off. We don't get that with this and with your work. And I, I just want to say thank you because there there is real practical shit. You know, my, my father died a couple years ago and I went through a kind of a whole spiritual spiral of just trying to figure out like, you know, I, my father is a very scientific person and, and raised me to be as, as scientific leaning as I possibly can be. And um, I talked myself out, I, I like logic myself out of occultism for for a while. And it was really difficult because mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, like, this is what I do. Like, and here I am saying, none of this is, you know, is, is all this real? It, you know, for me and my experience, is this a thing that's happening? And I went through this whole crisis of faith. faith. And it wasn't, I'm glad, I mean, I'm very glad I went through it. But when you're faced with this thing of, there's something real that happened. Your father just died. You look around in occultism, yep. you look around in pagan, there's nothing support there. There's nothing to help you necessarily go through that process 
understand that process, make peace with that process. So I found myself looking at the East again, and I always find when shit gets real in my life, I go to like Buddhism and I start like studying, you know, the Dharma and, and questioning things and putting things into relation. And um, I'm saying all this because I feel like with your material, there's there's stuff here that can help people when they're in those moments where they feel lost where they're in a spiritual plateau. They don't know where they are. They don't know where they're going. They know that they're, they're here, that they resonate with, with the occult, but they don't know what the occult can really do for them spiritually when it comes to their, their spiritual evolution or their spiritual processes. And I feel like with your material, you acknowledge that struggle without acknowledging that struggle necessarily. And you're, you're giving people the tools to really deal with the big shit that happens. Like your father dies, right? You're giving people, and you're not coming yep. out and saying it necessarily, but you're helping them build that, that toolkit. And to me, that's fucking epic, dude. It isn't about, you know, casting a spell on your locker to, you know, keep somebody from looking in or, you know, whatever you're, you're doing some, some really actual spiritually um, nurturing work for other people. And, you know, if we were to look at you, I wouldn't call you a, a, a hoity-toity, fluffy bunny, you know, I hate that term, but you know what I mean? I wouldn't necessarily see you as a, a, um, a unicorn, right? I see, you know, and, but yet here you no. are, a very real person, very punk, very uh, in your face in a lot of ways, doing this work that's really important right now. Um, and obviously for you, you've gotten something out of this work, right? So I, I want to kind of, as we're, we're getting to a close, because I know I'm, I'm rambling on and on and on, I've kept you long enough, um, but... What is it about your work in your experience? Um, you know, just talking about your evolution, your, your path here. What is it about your work that brings this stuff into focus for you? You know, for me, um, I think it starts when I was really young. When I first started doing this stuff, instead of, kind of expanding kind of the palette immediately, right? I didn't go, I didn't, I never really was kind of like a spell hunter or a ritual hunter, nothing against it. It's just, we're all wired to do things in different ways. Um, when I started doing magic that worked, which was mostly sigil magic early on, and then kind of the effects of really long-term practice with kind of uh, lesser banishing ritual, the pentagram and variants that I either found or created of that over the course of about, I guess, seven or eight years for that one. But in that first kind of 10 years, I kept going, hitting this moment where going like, okay, so I did this thing and I either got what I asked for and it was awesome or I got what I asked for, but it was a little weird or I got what I asked for and it changed me in some way, right? Um, I started going, well, what does this say about magic? What does this say about what magic does for me, to me, with me. And as I look wide, further afield, and I pretty rapidly moved into looking at things like, you know, anthropological stuff on shamanism. And uh, as I mentioned in the beginning of, of Weaving Fate, uh, the, some of the first stuff that really resonated with me, though I didn't, not as I'm going to go practice this, but the worldview was a lot of the Haitian voodoo stuff, um, Buddhist stuff like that. The late, as I got older, all of that stuff has kept me doing that. Like, if this is a viable thing, which I absolutely know that it is for me and for a ton of other people, what does that mean? Not as what does that mean as far as what's my identity, 
but rather what does that mean about the nature of reality is the nature of my reality, the nature of magic. Um, what should I do with this stuff if it's this powerful and if I know what it can do? Um, and a lot of that was realizing that I got the things that I wanted in the outer world by turning that focus inward. Uh, like, okay, I, I'm going to do just the work to change the, the you know, kind of out, outer circumstances. But that's kind of secondary for me. To me, the kind of roots of, of, of real effective practical magic is turning that to bear on yourself and going, okay, where am I so fucked up that I don't even know what I, I want? but I think I do, but every time I get it, I'm dissatisfied. What's that about? Can I use magic to interrogate that and to figure that out? Um, and so I think that that's been the, that's, that's been the biggest thing that to me, I think I've brought to the table uh, for myself. Absolutely. Uh, Cause I'm always like, okay, you want that, you know, it's, you, you've been in the, kind of public sphere of working, but you get the folks, this, this person cheated on my best friend and left me and I want them back. Right. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. And there's a ton of people out there that go, that's what they want. I'll do that work for them. Mm -hmm. I've never been that guy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why, what's going on with you? That this person cheated on you, dumps you and you want them back. Right. That's right. the place to bring magic to bear. Because if you can figure that out, your life is going to be so much fucking better. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, Aiden. You dropped some good shit today, sir. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, it's a total pleasure to speak with you. And I'm totally stoked to, uh, to be able to do so. I recently listened to the podcast that you did, which I highly recommend with Dara at the Spirit Box podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was just like, oh, man, yeah, we, we've got... Very different uh, histories and different approaches in many ways, but I, I totally was like total kindred spirit. I had that from reading your book, uh, you know, uh, but uh, actually hearing some of your backstory, I'm like, oh, yeah, totally different folks as young people and all that. But in many ways, very similar, uh, similar at the same time. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that, especially after talking to you today. Um, it's 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 just it's really good to hear that there are success stories for, for, you know, for people who felt something and then investigated it for themselves and then were able to successfully, you know, render something from that. And, um, I, I cause I often feel like a little bit of an oddball. Um, and this isn't, I'm not trying to be like, Oh, I'm better. I, this is not at all. But I, I feel like a little bit of an oddball when it comes to having these, you know, discussions with a lot of occultists, because I just, I'm here for different reasons. I came here for different reasons. Um, and that's evolved, you know, as I've gotten older and I'm no continue, will we'll continue to. Um, so it's just, it's nice to, cause I know that there's, there's lots of people like us. There's so many people like us yeah. who had that same thing click on and then they went, you know, they went to, to go begin their journey. And I feel like there probably are more of us than we think and we just don't know it. And so when we get to share these stories and we get to have these conversations, I think people are able to, A, take a step back and, and say, hey, there are other people who are, feel the same way I do or have the same search that I have. And B, that I get to own my magic and I get to own my spirituality. And that's something that I feel like a lot of our modern traditions, and I'm a traditionalist in my own ways for sure, but I feel like a lot of our traditions 
don't allow for that. They they keep you know things a little a little hard to get a hold of. And so whenever there are people who are you know creating content or writing about their experiences and they're able to convey those things that usually are not talked about, or if they are talked about, it's like within super secret circles. This stuff shouldn't be secret, right? This is the stuff that helps people no. be better. Why is this a secret? So I, I love that you're you're sharing it, and I, I know this is something I try to live up to. I try my very best to do. And so when I see this reflected in other people's work, it's just, it's amazing. And I, I'm so glad that we could get you on the show. And again, so many people have requested you um, over the years. So I know we're going to have a lot of happy listeners. Um, and I appreciate that all of it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, totally. I appreciate all the kind words you said. I'm so glad that you, you like my shit. Um, so real quick, where can people find you, Aiden? Like if they want to, they want to follow um, your process, where are we going to send them? The best place is just AidenWalker.com. Um, I am also, uh, easily found on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. Though I don't spend a lot of time on social media. Um, I actually probably read the most on Twitter. Um, but there is, again, uh, if, if you do pick up any of my stuff and are interested in kind of uh, community around it, there's a, I, I think it's like almost, it's getting closer to 3,000 people in the Six Ways group on Facebook. And it's a very, um, it's a very moderated and uh, non-dick zone on Facebook for the folks that are there. Um, and yeah, there's a, the, there is a six ways podcast. There's four episodes up now, mostly question and answers about weaving fate. And, uh, at this point, and those will be growing, uh, in the coming weeks as I've got a little studio set up again. So. It's so awesome. I'm looking forward to it. I know it is on my download list. I hope that you are subscribed everybody. If you're not already go and, and check out the six ways podcast um, and hit that subscribe button. And of course, leave the review. So if you listen to something and you, you, you get anything out of it, leave a positive review. It helps everybody, uh, especially the, the, the person creating it. So, um, Hayden, I wish you the best of luck with this. And I hope I can get you on to, uh, on the show again, because I know already I have a million questions I want to ask you. Um, thank you so I much. I would again absolutely for your time. love it. All right. All right. Well, I will be in touch. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, sir. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Modern Witch Podcast. All right, and that does it for this episode of the Modern Witch Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Devin Hunter. Thank you so much to Aiden Watchter for joining us for this particular episode, becoming part of the mad, mad Modern Witch world. Um, and of course, thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, I do have to send some special love to my patrons, especially Lady Janes Bewitchery. Um, all of my patrons helped him just make all of this happen. Um, but, you know, I can tell you that I wouldn't be able to do half of this stuff without the patrons. And in addition to being part of the Modern Witch community, uh, if you are a patron, you get early access to the show. You get early access to vidcasts. You get uh, classes every month. There is a uh, the, the podcast club. So after we listen to an episode, we get together and we discuss the topics and the things that happen in the podcast. And of course, if you are really, really into uh, supporting your 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 local modern witch, <coughs> me in your ears, I'm local to your ears. Um, you can also join the subscription box plan, uh, and that's part of the the Patreon experience. It is its own tier, um, but those who are part of that get something made 
by me every single month. And it's either a candle or it's um, some like this month, um, the patrons are getting something they've requested for about a year now. Um, and that is that I made ritual bath sugar scrub. It's actually a whipped sugar scrub. It's very luscious, very amazing. And uh, it is, you know, with my own special blend for uh, sacred ritual bath. So really, really cool stuff. So if you don't have a bathtub and you still want to take a ritual bath, well, you can get the modern witch uh, sacred ritual foaming, awesome uh, whipped body sugar scrub. And you can use that or you maybe want to check out one of my ritual uh, bars of soap. All of this stuff. Um, you get access to when you subscribe to the Patreon. So you might want to check that out. That's patreon.com slash modernwitchofficial. And uh, I'd love to see you there. I know everyone would love to see you there. And of course, if you're interested in studying with me or uh, any of the other uh, Modern Witch contributors, Storm Fairywolf, Chaz McGann, Matt Aron, you can go to modernwitchuniversity.com and you can take classes from the comfort of your own home. Um, and you can start at any time. So you should definitely check all of that stuff out. There's plenty of ways to stay connected to Modern Witch. Um, of course, you can check the show notes where you will find links to all of my social media and all of that good stuff. So thank you so much for tuning in. So much love to you. Happy, happy Halloween for those of you who are listening to this uh, when it drops. And I will see you on the flip side. There are forces at work here, dark, incomprehensible forces.